0: Welcome back, peeps, to Perfect.dev, where we give you cats the freshest dose of dev snacks. Now, with your amazing hosts, Alex Patterson and Brittany Postma. This episode is sponsored by Builder.io, visually build on your tech stack. Welcome back, Perfect Peeps, to Perfect.dev. Today, we're talking about managing multiple data sources in GraphQL. And as our special guest, we have Anthony Campalo. What's up, Anthony?
1: Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm actually a fan of the show, so I was very excited that you had reached out to to Stepsen saying, "Hey, we want to talk about Stepsen." I was like, "Oh, great! I would love to talk about Stepsen with all 'all." (laughs) y'all."
0: That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, you're probably the first person that said uh, I'm a fan of the show, so that's that's really exciting for us. Uh, Yeah, for me, uh,
1: software podcasts are like Pokemon. Like, I I gotta (laughs) gotta catch them all. Like, I listen to almost every single tech podcast that I think exists. So, (laughs) (laughs) I tried to
2: soak a lot of them into.
0: So, Anthony, um, you are a developer advocate with Stepsen. Do you want to talk a little bit about like your background and how you got associated with Stepsen, and uh, kind of all about Stepsen itself?
1: Yeah, sure. So my journey is uh, multi-step, and I was fairly condensed version would be I was a music teacher that ended up getting into tech, kind of as like a career switcher, boot camp kind of person, and. Got very into open source, specifically um, Redwood JS, which is a full stack JavaScript framework that uses GraphQL as like a kind of integral part of it.
0: Great community
1: over there. Oh, thank you. That's that's awesome to hear. Yeah, and I I totally agree because it's like really what helped me kind of launch my career in a lot of ways because I was essentially acting as like a de facto developer advocate for Redwood as they were coming up and they were building, and I was writing blog posts and doing podcasts and live streams and meetup talks and and all that kind of stuff. And so they eventually invited me onto the core team. And then that's what got me noticed by Anant, who is the CEO at Stepsen. And he is building a GraphQL API company. And so he kind of messaged me. He was like, hey, are you interested? And I was like, "Uh, yeah, I am interested in a job that will pay me money. (laughs) That sounds like a good thing to do. So that, this is actually like this is so this is my first tech job, like the the role I'm doing now. And having gone through both an education background and kind of like uh arts background, content creation background, like doing music and, and also did podcasts about, about music back in the day. So I was able to leverage a lot of those skills. To get into kind of like the more tech education, tech communication type angle, which um, I really enjoy, and I also host my own podcast called FS Jam. There's a, quite a lot of overlap between guests that have been on FS Jam and, and on this show, nice. and so yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. And we'll get into like what GraphQL is and what Stepsend is and all that kind of stuff. But the kind of like TLDR is that it's a way to work with lots of APIs kind of all at once in like a unified way with GraphQL. That's an
2: amazing journey, though. So you started as a music teacher and didn't have any was tech just like a fun hobby and did the Redwood JS alongside teaching.
1: So so I also did a boot camp. So this is I started self-teaching and as I say, it's a multi-step process. I started self-teaching myself machine learning and Python. And so that is what I wanted to learn originally, because like this is in like 2016 when like deep learning and like AlphaGo and all this stuff was like blowing up, which is mm-hmm. like kind of downstream what copilot actually is funny side tangent. But um, I was very interested in that stuff. And I thought it was so fascinating. And so I was trying to learn it, but I was also trying to learn to code just like learning a coding language and then learning how to actually apply a programming language to a high level scientific problem. Like machine learning It's like, you're it's two separate things you have to learn and both are incredibly hard to learn separately. So mm-hmm. that I did that for like a year or two and just like, didn't really get much traction and didn't really feel like I was even close to getting a job so I eventually kind of pivoted to like web development because there's a, a lot of virtues to like just being able to throw up like an html page and like write stuff and then see the changes and then layer on the css and then you start getting into the javascript and the code and all that and so I started learning web development and like react and then was making a little bit more progress at that, but decided that I really should just like do a boot camp, that would probably be the the thing to do. So I did Lambda School, which um, changed their name, I think, to Bloom Tech now, which wow. um, k- kind of a controversial income share agreement boot camp. Um, I, I said my experience was mostly positive, but I ended up kind of dropping out like two thirds of the way through to like do Redwood instead, because I was in a unique position to like work in this open source project that like had a need for my skill set. So I ended up doing the bootcamp for probably like six months or so after having already self taught myself JavaScript for like six months or so after already trying to learn Python for like a year (laughs) or two. So that was like a three year journey by the time I started getting involved in like Redwood and, and all that kind of stuff. So that was great because like I already knew how to use like Git and I at least knew like the baseline of like yeah. what it took to even contribute to a project. But then getting to work with like you know Tom Preston Warner and you know Peter is like these really, really incredible legendary devs and just get to listen to the conversations that they were having. It was really awesome. And I ended up, you know, forming a podcast around that time to like bring on all these people that I was meeting. And so like FS Jam, like Tom is like the fourth guest that we had. So that was just really cool to kind of start to just get involved in the community. And then by the time I actually got the job, that was like going on like three or four years of like this long, weird meandering path to to get where I got, you know?
2: That makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's really cool. It kind of makes me laugh a little bit because – I feel like every aptitude test when I was younger was like, are you good at music? Then you can be an engineer, you can be a programmer. And so like your flow from music into it is like the perfect model, I think.
1: I actually have a blog post about this. And uh, the blog post it's a fairly cynical take, which is it's the so the title is literally why do so many musicians become programmers? And my takeaway is that you become so broke that it traumatizes you. (laughs) And your only choice is to find the most high paying job possible. That's hilarious. Oh, Oh,
2: that is awesome.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's cool.
0: Um, So yeah, let's dive in a little bit to what you're doing at Steps End now. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious, like how it works and what it's all about.
1: Sure. So first question would be, um, what are your experiences and like comfortableness with GraphQL as a thing?
0: Yeah. So I would say my first experience with GraphQL was learning it when kind of picking up Gatsby. Gatsby. And so, yeah. That that's probably my my like I, I use REST APIs for years and SOAP prior to that for years, um, which is awful. Ugh. I just got chills thinking about soap. Anyways, um, and then, yeah, it was, it was pretty much getting Gatsby data passed through for it. So, combining a couple data sources, and I know we're it's talking about like multiple at this point. So, kind
2: of funny for me because I started learning G- uh, GraphQL with Gatsby too, but it made way more sense to me after I took Gatsby out of it. So, yeah, I, I did uh, an Eve Porcello workshop. From jams.conf last year and that like got me a lot more into it i don't know gatsby's graphql just didn't make sense to me well, as it's, much it's as great
1: me. it's great that people got into graphql through gatsby and that gatsby exposed people to it but the way gatsby uses graphql is kind of weird and it's baked into all the conventions of the framework so separating <laughs> what is the gatsby stuff and what is the graphql stuff is very hard to do if you don't know ahead of time. That's what totally confused me because
0: I was learning both at the same time. I'm like, I don't understand like what the difference is here going on and this whole like data engine piece that sits on the side. So Mm -hmm. it's cool to like bounce out of that. Um, Now that I'm at Builder.io, we we have a GraphQL endpoint as well. So I'm doing a little bit more, um, which is intriguing too. So I would say for uh, one to five, five being the most knowledgeable with, probably what you have I'm like a one or two
2: I'm like yeah. I might go two, 2 to 3 maybe Yeah I would say gonna... it sounds
1: like you're both in like a, a 2 to 3 range yeah. I would give, give yourself a little, a little more credit and um, like that's that's great I'll give I'll give a simple 101 for any listeners who don't know anything about it GraphQL is a query language for APIs so most people know of SQL as a query language for databases. It's like its own specific kind of programming language that you use to query something like a Postgres database or a MySQL database. Whereas uh, GraphQL is a more general purpose query language in that it could be for a database, it could be for a REST API, and then it could be for other GraphQL APIs. And what's nice about it is that it standardizes the language in a way to where like the create, read, update, delete kind of methods are like baked into it because you write queries and you write mutations. So queries are getting data, reading data, and then mutations are uh, writing, updating, or deleting data. And so once you kind of learn GraphQL, it's something that you can use in almost any situation where a GraphQL API is available to you. It's not kind of like with REST where every REST API has kind of its own conventions and its own way of like doing pagination and like linking between different objects. And like, there's just lots of stuff that goes into making a REST API that are decisions that need to be made by the backend developers. Whereas with GraphQL, the language itself is making the decisions on how you interact with it. And then the backend people have to figure out how you map those queries to the actual backend data source. So it's simple for front-end developers is kind of more complicated for back-end developers and that's kind of where Stepsend comes in is as simplifying actually doing the back-end translation of how do you take the database or REST API or whatever and then transform that into something that your front-end people can query with just a simple GraphQL query.
0: Wow good description so um when when we start to talk about like that GraphQL language piece and like multiple providers, can you talk a little bit how that kind of works under the hood? Maybe draw a picture for people?
1: Yeah, and this will be t- dependent on what tool you're using. So a uh, typical setup would be Apollo Server. You would use Apollo Server and you would write what are called resolvers. And so what a resolver is, it's basically a bunch of JavaScript code you write to turn a GraphQL query into functions that run against your backend. So if you want to have, and and so then to take a step back, a GraphQL query itself is like a JSON object with just the keys and, and no value. So it's like if you imagine like an object with keys on one end, values on the other, take the values away and you just have the keys, you send that, that's a GraphQL query and then you get essentially a JSON object back. So the, the query itself is very simple and easy, but having that be transformed into something that makes sense in the backend requires just writing like custom code. And you can do this in JavaScript, you can do it in Go, you can do it in any programming language you want. That's typically how this has been done throughout the many, many years that GraphQL has been around. So this is the problem that StepZen is trying to solve, which is they're creating a declarative way to connect to your backend. So you can just give it like a REST endpoint and then you write your types and then that's it. And then you just send the queries and it and it works. So there's a GraphQL schema definition language. And like all of these terms we'll kind of get into in the, the demo, but um, you have queries and you have the schema. And so normally you'd need resolvers to make it all work, but with in you don't need the resolvers.
0: Ah, so, interesting. That's the
1: big piece I was going to ask you about. Would you yeah. say
2: it's more for front-end developers or back-end developers or who is the target audience or customer for steps in?
1: Yeah, this is actually, this is a really interesting question because we've been kind of rethinking this to a certain extent, which is it we've been thinking that it's for front-end developers in the sense that it lets you not have to fuss around with a lot of back-end stuff, but it is literally a back-end technology and that is deploying an API for you. So people talk about the front of the front end and the back of the front end, like you have the front of the front end is HTML, CSS, and the back of the front end is like, JavaScript, React, Redux, all this kind of data fetching stuff. Middle end. (laughs) Yeah. So I think there's also a front of back end and a back of the back end. So the back of the back end is the actual database, the actual data source, wherever that is. And then the front of the back end is what Stepsend is. Okay. aiming at which is it's, uh, it's an API gateway so if you know AWS like they literally have a service called API gateway and that's what lets you connect like your lambda functions to your database and actually have an endpoint that someone can query and use so Stepson is literally a back-end technology and that is deploying a back-end API for you but it's a backend technology that's meant to enable front-end developers
2: makes sense
0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Builder.io, visually building the web. Builder.io has one of the most powerful visual editors in the industry. Unlike other tools, Builder actually produces the code for you. You don't have to completely switch out your framework either. Just use one of the handy SDKs that are available. There's no limits to what you can build. Instead of limiting your marketing team, start to optimize and let them do the work. This will allow your web developers to get back to the hard work that it takes for other components. Allowing your team to do AB testing and personalization. Stop worrying about bugs in production. Just use the site as it is, then you can analyze and start converting all of your customers with Builder's built-in heat maps. Stop limiting your growth with developers' long lead times. Start building, optimizing, analyzing and start growing faster. Don't take my word for it. You can sign up for free today and start building the web visually with Builder.io. I, I might be hearing something off here, but it, as far as like that connection piece, is there a server you're spinning up then to, to make like those connections in the end?
1: Yeah, so when you use StepZen, you are able to, run a single command that deploys an entire GraphQL API for you with an endpoint that you can query and with API keys that you can use to authenticate against that backend. So it's, like, an awesome, like, data meshing kind of thing, but it's actually, like, also there's, like, a whole deployment tool for you. Like, it deploys an entire API for you, you like a single command, and, like, that is really incredible and provides access control and all that kind of stuff. So you will end up with an actual deployed API endpoint.
0: Okay. Is that running on, like software as a service for steps End, or is that something you're spinning up to Google Cloud or AWS or
1: so it's, it's totally managed so the yeah. idea is that you create a steps End account and then you download the stepsend CLI and then you log in through the CLI and then you run commands that will deploy it and when you create your account you'll get like an account name and then that'll be your endpoint like mine is like pleasantin.stepend.com and then forward slash whatever my API is. So when you create the account you have your own kind of namespace where these apis are deployed for you
0: i was i was like when i signed up i'm like where do i put it in like i want to put coding cat in and it's like no you're winooski i'm like what is winooski
1: (laughs) yeah you can't pick a name yet that's um will likely be a feature somewhere down the road
0: no that's cool all right i think i don't know Brittany. any other high level questions that you might have
2: before we see it maybe more after
0: yeah i think it's demo time are you prepared anthony
1: Oh, I'm always prepared for demos. This is like my, my whole job. I
2: love that attitude.
1: Okay, so first thing I'm going to do is I'm just going to kind of run just a couple of commands, kind of like scaffold out a project and so that we can talk about like what the, the project actually is. There's a couple of kind of pieces of like boilerplate you need just to, to get going, but it's not a, a whole bunch. So the first thing you're going to have is like an index.graphql file that is going to be the entry point into your graph. So when we talk about how you can take a bunch of different data sources and kind of, you know, smush them all together, that is what we're doing here. We're gonna have a couple, actually, you don't need that one, we'll just do, a little shorter. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna have different files that each have GraphQL schemas in them. And then those schemas get combined together into this one endpoint. And so this is also where something like Apollo Federation or like one graph kind of comes into to play. Cause this is something that you wouldn't necessarily get out of the box. Just writing like an Apollo server is like having different graphs kind of put together. But the first thing that you can do to kind of show how this works as like a very simple kind of base case is we're not going to connect to any backend at all. We're just going to like write a GraphQL type and a GraphQL query. And this is, essentially the simplest graphical query you can write. We have uh, interface that is going to be returned by the get test query. So this is not connected to any backend right now. It's just gonna return kind of mock JSON data for us. And then we're gonna have um, an endpoint that is going to be deployed. You can give it a name here, so let's do two U's or two R's? Two R's is good. Yeah. Two R's, yeah. All right. And then
0: I think that should be... Good question be... on the two user or two, two R's. I'm going to go.
1: And so this is going to be the command to actually deploy our endpoint, step send start. And once it deploys, it tells you the actual endpoint it'll be running on, which is pleasantin.stepsin.net forward slash API forward slash perfect dev. Now we'll, we'll
0: so, do so was there, you're testing locally, but still like deploying something here? I'm exactly. That's,
1: this, is, this, confuses, this confused me for like the first like two months I was working okay. here. And this is one of the things that I always make sure to explain, so good question. We have an actual endpoint here and we have a local host that is just the graphical ah, interface that is querying cool. that endpoint. And that so like localhost, this is not the steps in endpoint. This is actually the steps in endpoint. And this is just a nice kind of way to write queries really, really quickly. So if we check this out here, we can just do. This just that. like a
2: graphical explorer.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this, if you use Gatsby, this is pretty much the, you, this is an open source tool that, Companies just kind of take, extend, and and slap their logo on the top. But pretty much everyone uses the same kind of thing. So this is just a bunch of mock JSON data that we're getting back right now. But this is like a GraphQL query. For anyone who hasn't seen a GraphQL query before, we have a query name. So I usually like to name it with all caps. I follow Redwood naming conventions. And then this is the actual uh, query that we defined over here. And then you say the specific fields you want to get from that query. So we can get back this type, but we don't need to get everything. We can just get the date if we want, or we can get everything if we want. So this is the GraphQL query, and then this is the GraphQL response. Cool. Yep. So that should be fairly intuitive to anyone who's ever used GraphQL before. This is actually one of the things I really like about Step Zen is that it is a very good onboarding experience for people who already know GraphQL. And there's only like some small kind of Step Zen isms that you need to understand how to actually connect to the backends. So let's do now. We're going to connect to the Rick and Morty API. <laughs> nice. And we're going to have uh, characters type that's going to return an array of character objects. And then this query type here, this is where the actual steps and stuff comes into play. So, so far we've just been writing GraphQL schemas and GraphQL queries and there's nothing steps and specific about it, but what is different here is this directive. So in Uh, GraphQL, you have directives that allow you to expand the capabilities of what you can do with your server. So all of the at whatever things you're going to see in steps and projects, those are all custom steps and directives that are different ways to connect to different backend data sources. So we see here, I was GraphQL. And we can also do a REST API if we want to. So you do at REST. And then you can also do like a DB query to connect to a database. So I like kind of starting with just a GraphQL one because then it's basically just, you're just defining the GraphQL schema that they're already giving you at the Rick and Morty API. So if we go look at this API, we can see like the docs and we can figure out what our, our schema is and all that. And so we just kind of grab that and then we can write queries and stuff. And then once we plug that into our Stepsend project, then we can write those same queries like so. So if we want to get that information here, then now we're querying the steps in endpoint and the steps in endpoint is then talking to the Rick and Morty GraphQL API and then funneling that data in.
2: That's one of my favorite things about GraphQL is that you only have to get the data that you want. Like if you hit a rest endpoint, you just get everything Mm -hmm. and then you have to find the specific thing that you want within that. And it's very nice the way GraphQL lays it out.
1: Yeah, and it's also really nice if you have like a, a front end that needs to connect to it because since we only have this one uh, endpoint, you have, you know, these different frameworks like Next or SvelteKit or something like that. And they'll have conventions for doing like API routes and like serverless functions to do authenticated requests and things like that but you just have to hit that one endpoint and authenticate to it. And then you send those GraphQL queries on your front end to that same thing. So you can you have a really nice workflow here where you are able to write all your queries to get the data you want. Then you just have to hook whatever your framework of choice is up to this one endpoint and then get the queries working. And then any query you write will, will just send back the data you want. And then you can display that however you want through your components. And it's just all unified in like a really, really nice way.
2: So this connects like multiple things together.
1: Right now, it's only hitting the Rick and Morty API. So if we want to do another one, let's do the cat API. So you can see a REST example. So that was the one that I deleted over here. So with this will be, um, you have a REST endpoint, and that also has configuration. So this is where you can also authenticate to your API through your your steps in graph, so we have this uh, config.yaml file, which will hold our keys. And then I'll have to hop off for just a second to actually put this key in. So let me
0: do here. I can uh, I can pause you for a minute. That'll work too.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so with this you have all of your your secret keys end up kind of living in just one area and are like self-contained. so you don't have to like worry about all the different places. you're gonna have keys and, and stuff like that and then you just make sure you don't commit that config.yaml and then that's kind of like all of your your secrets are contained. So there. steps
2: in handles them through the config.yaml file and mm-hmm. you don't do it through like a traditional m file or something like that.
1: Exactly. So if you were hooking up a front-end framework, that's when you would use like a .m and you would use your, your steps and keys in there. And then that's okay. how you would be able to connect that way. That makes sense. We can do the at GraphQL directive for the Rick and Morty one. But if you wanted to do in a REST API, then we could do like the, the JSON placeholder. So create a file called users.graphql. And then we'll have a user type and then a get users query that will return an array of users. And then all we have to do is specify the endpoint, much like we did with the GraphQL endpoint. And if we were to open this up, we can kind of see the, the data we're going to get back here. And then one other thing that I should show.
0: Is is there any possible... Well, I think you're about to do it. Never mind.
1: <laughs> So This is a tool that I actually just wrote a blog post about this. So we have a way to convert this JSON response right into your STL like that. Perfect. So you don't need to necessarily just like, like it used to be like before we had this, you would just kind of stare at this, and be like, okay, what? ID is an integer, name is so a What string. does STL
2: stand for? I don't know that one.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah. So STL is schema definition language. Oh, so okay. This is, how you define your your GraphQL schema. So exactly what we were looking at before. You have like types yeah. and then you have like queries. And yeah, so it's like a query type. And so it's just like when you write GraphQL schemas, you write it in the schema definition language.
2: Yeah, that's just one of those things like acronyms in tech. There's always another one you don't know. So <laughs> yeah. that was one I did not know yet.
1: <laughs> totally. Okay, I think we... Have this. Oh no! I skipped a step. So then, once you create a new file, you need to make sure to add it into your graph over here. So now, what's really cool is that we have two separate APIs, right? But they're unified together into our whole thing. So if we wanted to get the users, we can get the users like so. If we want to also get the Rick and Morty characters, then we can do that like so. We just write this one query and it sends back all the data you want. So once you add something to your steps in graph, you have it all there available to you and you can write any sort of arbitrary query you want that's going to pull any piece of data from any of those backends.
2: That seems really powerful.
1: Yeah.
0: That's interesting. I like that. That's really cool. So that's, I mean, that's the kind of premise that we were shooting for on this episode was to show how we could like pull different data sources in um, pretty easily. This is probably a pretty, uh, I'll call it easy example uh, mm-hmm. just because you're like hitting a couple APIs. Is there any sense on like talking about the resolver side at this point or anything around that?
1: Um, the, the Well, the great thing about the way this is set up is that all of the kind of like what would be resolvers is happening under the hood of StepZen. So it's just like a huge like transpilation kind of thing almost. Like it's not quite transpilation, it's basically how do you actually turn this query into something that makes sense against the API endpoint itself? And so like the the way that happens is kind of like the the quote unquote like secret sauce of of in and like obviously I don't even understand that well, but <laughs> cool. the the point is that the tool exists, so you don't need to have to figure that out. It's like you they give you conventions, and the if you check out the docs, they'll be like, this is how you to your endpoint, this is how you configure your keys. There's also kind of other like higher level type things you can do where you can. of modify the the types themselves to be able to write even simpler queries than what you would have if you just mapped like the rest schema to the GraphQL schema so there's also like higher level stuff you can kind of do so you can deal with your endpoints in kind of any way you want but the the point is that you kind of do this the step zen conventions to get the data that you want. And like, you don't ever think about how that query actually gets mapped to the endpoint, It's being declaratively specified through these directives that we have.
0: Cool, that totally makes sense.
1: Great, good, didn't make sense to me for a long time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think I've, I've messed around enough with like AWS Amplify and there's so many things you can do with, um, totally dropping the name. What's their graph? So AppSync. Yeah, Thank so
1: AppSync. AppSync is one of like kind of the closest analogs to what Stepsend is doing for you. And like for them, they have like a lot of connections already built out for like you know DynamoDB, whereas like we have a lot of stuff like Postgres and, and MySQL. So the, yep. the the data sources that they're kind of building around are slightly different because they are like AWS specific, whereas with Stepsend, it's kind of more general, but in terms of conceptually what they do, they're very, very similar tools. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. yeah, I always really enjoyed working between, like, Dynamo and um, having, like, all the capabilities of GraphQL and everything else. Is, is there a point, just kind of comparing it to uh, Amplify, where, or actually AppSync? I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I would get, like, confused on what part this is in, but um, with, what's the word I'm looking for? Firebase and, like, syncing, I guess. Like, data. Oh, syn- real time. Real-time, like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Is is there a comparison there on, on that side? Like in the back end, you guys could keep polling when something updates and update the graph?
1: Um, that's a good question. So the, the way it's set up is your API can be like auto-deployed anytime you kind of like make a change and it doesn't support subscriptions right now. So I think that's probably what you would be looking for to achieve that is you would need subscriptions. And um, so for some reason, like subscriptions, like this thing in GraphQL that it gets talked about a lot, but I don't know anyone who ever does it because it's always like, oh, like we don't do subscriptions. It's like Redwood doesn't do subscriptions. Like no one does subscriptions. Like it's a thing that exists in the GraphQL spec, but like very few people actually implement. So it's set up more so right now for just kind of straight queries and getting it back if you wanted to connect it to some kind of polling system, I imagine there'd be lots of ways to do that. Like, you know, uh, you could do it on the front like end that, too, you know?
0: if you wanted to yeah, just, you can pull from
1: the front. end Also. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those There's lots of ways to do it. And um, there's just like never quite enough people asking for subscriptions, like actually totally. implement it. <laughs> yeah.
0: Totally. Totally makes sense. It's, it's always one of those things that's in the back of my mind because of dealing with Firebase so much, like, is that a thing out there still or not? So cool. That's great. Um. So did you want to show off the studio like mixture there? Versus- yeah, definitely. Yeah. So
1: okay. now that you've kind of seen how you would build up uh, steps and API from scratch, we now have a further level, which is imagine that you didn't have to even create that schema at all and that you didn't have to even write the config.yaml at all. Imagine that you could just input your key into a nice UI and then have a schema and then immediately start writing queries. That would be really nice. it? So that is now the the steps in GraphQL Studio. So this is, if you just go to graphql.stepsin.com, then you can get to this. And what's cool here is that they have already created pre-built API schemas for you. So if we looked at, like we did the, the JSON placeholder just a second ago. So if you click it, it adds it. And then it gives you like a query that you can just immediately hit and then get some data back. And then you can look at the schema here and then even one step further, this is, this is the thing that I think was confusing you, you don't need a Stepsend account at all. You actually are able to just immediately deploy the endpoint by clicking this link and then you can write queries against that endpoint. So this is already a live endpoint anyone could hit right now. And the, the great yeah, thing think- about... Yeah, go ahead.
0: I think the biggest confusion on my part was, um, like, I went to dev2 at, at the top of it, and it, when you run that one, if you want to drop it in there, we can we can take a look at it. That was actually exactly the one I was going to show, so that's uh, good. <laughs> Sweet. Um, so, like, when you run this, it was coming back with, I think, steps and like, type stuff, and I'm like, okay, I need my API key. So I dropped my API key in, and I was expecting it to pick up me. But then I realized like the actual query has a person in there, like get user, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So right now it's giving you um, Lucia's, or it was giving Lucia's information. So I just changed it to, to my username there. And then, yeah, so now we're getting back. Yeah. So what's your, do you have a Two account?
0: Uh, I think it's Coding Cat Dev. So,
1: so yep. there's your super base, open source alternative. And then, yeah, and you can get um, podcasts through the Dev API as well, actually. So, yeah, there is a, so they have a, a way to configure your Dev API keys, but you don't need that for every query. Some queries, you'll need your keys for this one. You just need the username and it'll give you back the articles or the user information or anything like that.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. yeah, this is this is very intriguing to me. Um, the only piece that we'd have to solve at CodingCAD is probably the Firebase side of things. Um, that might be a little more difficult. Like you'd have to use an admin API for the or admin SDK uh, under the hood somehow to pull out. Well, data. does your
1: Firebase database expose an endpoint?
0: Um, not a like, not a true endpoint. I guess like you have to use one of their SDKs to get to it. And so it would have to be on like a secure server somewhere that you put
1: in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We have fire by fire based dynamic links. I don't really know what that is, (laughs) but um, yeah, I I would imagine there's definitely like for sure going to be a way to, to do that. It just might require a little finagling with the team, but um, yeah, definitely happy to to chat and like any sort of cool use cases.
0: Um, So I'm curious at this point, like, you kind of model out what you need, essentially, and then you just tuck that into any sort of app, like Next.js app or um, Angular app, whatever you need, and you just uh, use uh, Apollo Client or, or something else uh, to make the calls?
1: Yeah, let me show... have example apps. I can kind of make this a little more clear. I know we got a big Svelte fan on the show. <laughs> so let's take a look at this. So if we want to... Just connect a front end. The way you do that would be by writing a GraphQL query. So, the way, so this is for Svelkit specifically, but this is going to be fairly similar for anything you want to do. If you're just able to do a, a fetch request, you do a fetch into your steps and endpoint, and then you set the header with your steps and API key, and then you JSON.stringify the body, and then send the query through the body. So this is what I was talking about, how once you figure out how to write your queries and then figure out how to connect your endpoint, all of that stays the same when you just copy paste queries in, and then you have all the data immediately exposed on your front end. So this is deployed over here. And so if you check out- I can
0: see Brittany's face. She's getting excited.
1: Yeah. So right now, this is that (laughs) query we were just looking at over here. So we're querying for the user and their name, summary, location, all that. So that's coming in right here. And then we're also getting the first, the last five articles We're specifying about five articles from me, I Want the title description and all that. And then we're getting that. I was suggesting
2: that we drop that repo link in the show notes.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, I think I have a, we're, this is going to be in a steps-in org, so let me make sure I send you the right link first of all.
2: Okay, perfect.
1: But then the, the last thing was then you, this is kind of the SvelteKit-ism. You yep. just connect to no, this efficient. route that you kind of spun up, and then you write your, your components here. So this is like your HTML. That's actually mapping to what we're seeing over here.
2: Yeah, the uh, Kit routing allows you to make endpoints in your routes. So that's the... kit endpoint that you created there, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I've got a a couple of these. So if we go to articles, and I've got all my articles coming in here. So I've got articles, and then that's being componentized like so. And then got my podcasts also. Yeah, so that's the kind of like, whole front to back and this is something you know my podcast called fs jam for full stack jam stack and, and this is essentially what i'm talking about when i'm talking about full stack jam stack is that you can have your whole front end back end all kind of in this really nice dx workflow to where like you never once touched the server you never once had to like worry about versioning linux or, or any of that kind of stuff and you you may not even have to worry too much about spinning up a database if you use something like super that you get a you know database pretty much for for free and then the question though is how do you actually connect the back end to the front end like that's where you know the the really hard part comes in and so steps in then comes in to be that mediator between the two and to say we're going to figure out how to connect them but we're going to do it in a graphql way so if you know graphql then you're going to know how to connect to your back end and the great thing about you know just writing GraphQL queries is that you don't need like Apollo or GraphQL request library at all. You can just do a fetch request. So you really don't have to use all this crazy GraphQL specific kind of tech to achieve a project like this. There's going to be a why array of different tools that are going to allow you to do it with different levels of like simplicity and how much you have to kind of buy into to their tool. But to me, I find that Steps sits in, like a really nice middle ground where it gives you a ton of power with like a very, very small amount of conventions you have to learn.
2: Yeah. Um, it seems like it's really powerful and it could really help like integrate those pieces. What is, is there a free tier? What is the pricing schema for Steps in?
1: Yeah, it's all free right now. Everything everything you see right now, is everything is 100, 100 100% free. 100% free. Yeah, so you can create an account for free. You can use the GraphQL Studio for free, and then at some point we'll start building out more like you know enterprise it's features. Like, how are, are you going to make money? Pay, make money for it. Yeah, and that's like you know, there we have a, a good team of like very very experienced API devs who originally worked at a company called Apigee, which ended up being purchased by Google Cloud. So the there's a kind of a longer term, like, you know, enterprise, you know, vision here, but for like the, the, the dev, like, you know, us, like someone just wants like build a project, build a hobby project, or maybe, you know, create a startup, but wants to bootstrap, you are able to do that. You have this really powerful tool that you don't have to pay anything for. Awesome. Okay. Oh, we already got an enterprise plan. Look at that. <laughs> yeah. So mm-hmm. this would be like, if you know, you're going to have a ton of traffic, and you know you want like support responses in like you know five ten minutes kind of thing. Then then you can pay a little bit. But um, we're all on Discord. Like we'll we'll help you out with your problems even if you're on the, the free tier. So don't gotta worry about that.
0: Awesome. Oh, it's really cool. It's a it's a neat product to build and glue everything together. Anything that makes building APIs or GraphQL endpoints uh, easier, it's I'm all over. I love it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's really what got me into Redwood, actually, in the very first place is that with Redwood, you scaffold out an entire full stack application. And it like works. And you if you don't know how the tech works, you don't know why it works, but it does. (laughs) But once you dig into it, it's because they figure out how to get an Apollo server with now Helix, but a GraphQL server connected to a GraphQL client. And then they generate GraphQL queries for you. And then they figure out how to map those to the React components. And so like when you use something like Redwood, it gives you this really nice DX for something that would have been extremely complicated for you to like kind of make from scratch. And that's kind of the the idea of Steps and is that they give you the power to build something really complicated without having to like build all the kind of plumbing to make it work if you just kind of are able to like buy into the conventions of the, the tool.
2: And giving you a good developer experience, which is yes. the best, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. All right. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for showing it all to us. And I think now we're going to jump into our perfect picks. Um, I think, Brittany, I'm going to let you go first because I've lost Anthony's. Uh... Okay. No worries. There we go. There's the right one.
2: So my first pick is off the Netlify blog, which if you listen to the show, everyone knows I love Netlify. I host all of my personal projects on Netlify. And so I went digging for something on Stepson, Stepson and this walks you through how to build a database driven Jamstack site and then host it on Netlify. So if you want to know how to do it step by step, follow this blog post and it will get you there. Nice. And it's by Demetrius Clark, who is their technical community builder. Brian Rinaldi. Oh, Brian Rinaldi wrote it. I just thought, why did I just Yeah, that? It? was
1: that was my bad. Because you're, you're, you're thinking nervous. ahead to my, my Cut pick that out, me. please. You're thinking ahead to my pick.
2: Oh, oh okay. For the, I see.
1: Cool.
0: Um, your second one.
2: My second pick is The Morning Show. We thoroughly enjoyed this show. Um, We watched both seasons in a matter of two weeks, which, I mean, again, if you listen to this show, you know that I binge watch shows every once in a while and we go through them very quickly. But this was an interesting look back at the last three years of maybe four years of recent history and going back to like the me too movement and going through all that but then seeing the very beginning of the pandemic and what it was like for everyone was just crazy to kind of relive even through a fictional show but it was really good
0: yeah i agree it was kind of wild like walking back through that whole pandemic yeah. timeline and the feelings that people got into and stuff like that it's a great show i really enjoy it yes Cool. Um, so I am going to bring up Prisma. It's it's kind of interesting. It's somewhat in the similar vein with what we're what's talking about.
1: Redwood. So, what's that? It's the ORM for Redwood. Yeah, exactly.
0: So it's it's used very much. Uh, it, it's very popular, I should say, kind of in the community. And it's amazing how quickly you can like go tap out into a database and then get all of your type safe calls back. So. Um, check it out. Anthony probably knows more about it than I do since you're (laughs) such a big Redwood fan. Any any other tips or uh, suggestions on it?
1: Um, Well, with Prisma, it's awesome because it connects you to different types of databases. So if you have MySQL or Postgres, it doesn't matter because you write a Prisma model and then it kind of does the mapping and it also now does MongoDB, which is kind of like a crazy thing because yeah, had to translate between like a SQL database and non-SQL database It's like it took them like almost two years to kind of get to that point. Wow. So um, it's a it's a really sweet tool and it's really becoming a key piece of almost any developer's kind of like full stack. If you're someone who uses a framework like Next or something, like you're gonna probably want to bring in some kind of like ORM, which usually then is Prisma. So it's like having seen it get integrated through Redwood, and, like have the benefits it gets into Redwood is like over the last year, I've seen like all these people start just like pick it up for their own, you know, kind of front end projects. it was like, Prisma, this thing's awesome. Like, yeah, I know. Right.
0: The whole MongoDB thing blows my mind. Like they must query somehow the actual definitions of the documents and then pull it through. I don't know. Taking a guess there, but it's pretty well. Cool. Um, my second pick, um, burning through batteries playing xbox so i finally broke down and got a uh charger that i think is pretty decent so this is for rechargeable batteries and it'll do double a and triple a are you
2: telling me the xbox controllers use batteries (laughs)
0: yes
2: (laughs) they don't have like a stand charger
0: they they can have one so like oh. they don't they don't come out of the box with like a full battery pack you can buy like the packs and then charge them with a stand or i think you can charge them usb c maybe too okay um, interesting but i kind of thought like everything else we have has batteries too so yeah. why not like get the double a charger and i also broke down and got a kind of um larger um 2800 ma for the double A's so hopefully they last a lot longer too. So kind of got two parts to that puzzle, but um, I've been enjoying them. Like it's, it's amazing. I feel like I'm not like killing our (laughs) precious earth with all the batteries. They all end up in a bag at my house and like have to get shipped off to recycling. And uh, the last draw I had was I was sitting here coding and I heard a pop and I thought my monitor busted. There was a remote laying and a battery exploded inside of Ooh. it, just sitting here. And so I was My like, oh, not happy. And that was just a traditional yeah. nickel cadmium battery. So,
2: wow.
0: <laughs> I, uh, I was like, it's time. It's time to figure this yeah. out. I think I have the right links now. Uh, call me crazy if I don't. So, this is yours, I believe, Anthony
1: yeah totally yeah okay. so cool. i am a big fan of developer discords and so i want to shout out a couple of those there's a, a new one that just came out for jamstack and i'm so happy because i actually opened up a discussion on the jamstack.org repo like back in august saying like hey why do we have a slack and not a discord <laughs> like we should have a discord and then the demetrius ended up getting you know kind of hired to do community management more generally and a big part of that has been him creating this discord and managing it essentially single-handedly so um, yeah it's awesome like i know Brittany, you're you're in there i see you talking about svelten all sorts of stuff all the time so um, very cool community i also am big fans of lunch dev and the front horse discord those are both really fun and you'll if you are in a, some of these discord you'll start like has kind of is actually like the same people hanging out and kind of like all of them but, uh, but it's, it's
2: like these really amazing fun. people that like you just discord i've loved discord since i started learning technology because you get to talk to these people that you would probably never interact with
1: mm-hmm. and i mean
2: we're all human and we all need those interactions but it's just so cool to see all the it's like open source information and help and feedback and friends and there's just so many good things in there
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gotta get the Discord app because then when you click a, a browser one, it'll kick into your Discord app and then authenticate you there. And then you got you have to authenticate the Discord web has one. the
2: best auth. The QR code scan is the best.
1: I agree. <laughs>
0: Unfortunately, Discord's been having a
1: lot of issues lately. They
2: have the last couple days, but oh, cool yeah.
0: they'll get it
2: um, back on track.
1: <laughs> and then, um, I also had a, a funny pick. Um, I've been rewatching Arrested Development with my girlfriend recently, oh, yeah. and so like of you know. If you are into, you know, mid 2000s kind of humor television shows, the rest of Development, I think it's just like one of the all time classics. It's about a very dysfunctional family. That's like a you know, business empire type family. And it's a really just like great satire and funny characters and bits that build on bits on bits on bits. And yeah, <laughs> I love it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's funny. We just started um, watching Ozark, which will probably I'll have to pick uh, mm-hmm. soon we Um,
2: just started watching it again last night too
0: it's it's funny to see bateman like kind of in those different roles yeah such a good actor i think so good time great cool well anthony thanks so much for giving us a full tour and talking about how to like pull together multiple sources for graphql anything else uh you want to pitch or talk about with with stepson
1: I mean, just check us out on StepZen.com or GraphQL.StepZen.com. We also have a Discord, so you can find all that on our homepage. We would love to just find out you know, what you're curious about building, whether it has anything to do with StepZen or, or GraphQL or not. If you do something with an API, you can probably figure out a way to make it work. And uh, yeah, and I'm AJC Webdev on the internet, Twitter, GitHub, everywhere as kind of my general handle. So yeah, always happy to chat with anyone about you know, steps in or front end stuff, open source stuff, you know, career changing stuff, you know, I've been on this kind of like long journey that I kind of, you know, talked about. So I'm always very open to like kind of sharing, you know, where, how I kind of got to where I am and kind of how to help out other people who are looking to to do a similar thing. So yeah, I'm yeah. super into all that. It was
2: so nice to meet you and thank you for coming on and explaining steps into us.
1: Yeah. Thanks thank so much you for having me. Have yeah.
2: Later.